0: Welcome to Morgellons Fireside. I'm your host, Justice, and if this is your first time joining, welcome. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast about Morgellons. So last episode, we talked about HTLV, or human T-cell lymphotrophic virus, type 2, specifically the type called mycosis fungoides. Looked at some interesting studies that went into... Borrelia burgdorferi, and mycosis fungoides, and seeing the correlation there, uh, there were some findings that Borrelia burgdorferi was found in the skin biopsies done on these mycosis fungoides patients, super interesting stuff, check it out. Also, we wrapped up that episode with a few studies on herbicides, and increased risk of getting Lymphoma, a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is HTLV, and mycosis fungioides. So, um, today, we're going to talk more about herbicides. Specifically, these herbicides that increase the risk of getting lymphoma, they are called glyphosate herbicides. I wanted to make this episode after seeing a video of a gentleman. He must be in the arborist um, kind of realm. He's very knowledgeable. It's definitely his business and what he's done for his entire life. We're gonna listen to him break down how glyphosate works and uh, talk about some theories that that brought up for me. So thanks for tuning in. Y'all are so special to me and yeah, you know, I wanted to reiterate my whole goal for this podcast. Um, it is definitely an investigative podcast. I'm looking at studies. I'm talking about philosophies. And really, all I want to do is just help one person get through Morgellons. And, you know, that doesn't include me because making this podcast helps me. So I'm going to help one one other person get through it and give them some hope. Give them a friend. So leave me some voice messages. I would love that. But anyways, let's dive into episode three and talk about some glyphosate.
1: And and so let's just talk about some characteristics of this stuff. Because... uh, I I think it'll help us kind of understand how it affects the plant and how it affects microbes, okay? Glyphosate has two patents, okay? The first one is it is a chelator, which means because glyphosate is phosphate-based and there are three negative balances to it, it likes to grab onto positive things. That's just its chemical reaction, okay? What it likes to grab onto is positive compounds. Well, positive compounds happen to play an important role in the plant. The other thing that it's patented as is a very potent anti There we go, I got too many, too many letters in the wrong place. Okay, which means that it kills microorganisms. Okay, so what they initially used glyphosate for was to demineralize pipes that got filled up with hard water. Okay, because your calcium, magnesium, salts tend to fill in your pipes in time and close off the water flow. And they used glyphosate as a method of pulling those minerals away from the pipe and opening up the pipes again. Very effective at doing this. Okay, so how it works in a plant. Okay, I have...
0: Y'all, this part blew my mind. Uh, we're talking about glyphosate, and um, this gentleman found this video on YouTube. He's he's in a conference room. He's got a whiteboard, and he's telling his uh, colleagues or this audience about how glyphosate works. Uh, the title is 12 Glyphosate, How It Works. It's from uh, March of 2018, and uh, it's from Biominerals Technologies, so this this gentleman must work for that company. But now he's going to go into how it kills herbs, plants, how this herbicide actually does its killing. So what does he say?
1: I have a plant sitting in here. Let's draw this wonderful plant sitting out here. Okay. And <clears throat> glyphosate is works on the plant's secondary metabolism metabolism systems, metabolic systems. What it means is the first thing it does, it goes into the plant and it starts pulling minerals away from the plant's enzymes so that it shuts down functions. Okay, that's what it's doing. No different in a pipe than in a plant. It's gonna grab magnesium, manganese, copper, zinc. Glyphosate has a tremendous attraction for manganese. Okay, now manganese is important for a lot of things. So as it shuts, pulls these minerals away from the enzymes, the plant begins to shut down, and so it, st- it starts, it begins to destruct the plant's operating and immune systems. Now, glyphosate by itself cannot kill a plant. You put a plant in sterile soil, glyphosate can stunt it, but it can't kill it.
0: That's interesting. Okay, so glyphosate can't kill a plant. So, how does it actually kill a plant? Uh, he said that it's pulling minerals from the plant's structure, inhibiting its uh, metabolic system's immune system. Seems pretty terrible, but apparently that's not enough.
1: There are two actions required when you use glyphosate to kill a plant. The first one is If you have to shut it down, shut down its defense systems. The second thing is glyphosate is systemic. We talked about this at lunch, which means that it goes throughout the plant and then part of it is pushed out the root systems. Plants put out between 25 to 45% of the sugars they make out the root systems to feed biology, okay? When the glyphosate goes out the root system, it begins to kill beneficial microbes. It requires the assistance of a soil pathogen to kill the plant with glyphosate.
0: Glyphosate kills beneficial microbes and then allows bad pathogens to take over to finish the job. That's what I'm interpreting here. That's terrifying. And this is being used on our food system. Most of the foods, um, at least here in the U.S., uh, crops the non-organic ones are using Roundup, um, and we're ingesting it. I'll go into that a little bit later, but that—that that, I heard that line. I find it to be very terrifying, and just the fact that he's talking about this plant, and he's saying that glyphosate shuts down the plant's immune system. Didn't really think about plants having an immune system, but oh my god, poor plants!
1: particularly Fusarium, Pythium, Rhizoc. Those fungal type pathogens are the secondary mechanism that assists glyphosate in killing a plant. That's why you don't see it instantly die. That's why it takes time to get the pathogen assistance to do this. The pathogen, if the plant is healthy, the pathogen doesn't have a mechanism to come in and take the plant out. It has some defenses. And so how glyphosate works is it shuts down the defenses, the pathogen can come in, attack the root system, and we can kill a plant this way. It's very effective. Works very
0: well. Okay, okay, so how glyphosate works, it shuts down, takes away the plant's defense systems, the armor, the immune system that typically will fight off these parasitic funguses. He listed a couple of funguses that are parasitic to plants, but they're able to fight it off. But when you shut down their immune system, these uh, funguses, the parasitic funguses, will, he said, like, finish the job. They're hitmen, y'all. So, uh, fungus, interesting, right? We're enabling parasitic funguses to thrive and multiply by applying glyphosate, is what I'm hearing. Hmm. Wonder how they kind of deal with that. Like I said in the the last episode, herbicides. How do you deal with the runoff? Where does this stuff go? Um, it goes into the soil. Um, uh, is there a way to remove it after you've done the job of killing these invasive plants or um whatever plants you're wanting to kill with this herbicide just thoughts i have let's finish this up
1: well here's the problem in the soil i have two groups of bacteria i have good guys and i have bad guys okay we come back to this it only takes one tenth of one part per million to start taking out my beneficial microbes it's not very much. This is way less than the, the label rate. Okay? It takes...
0: Four. Hold on. He just said... It takes one-tenth part per million of glyphosate to to do this? Way less than the label rate. I'm assuming the label on the herbicide. Lou. This guy knows a lot about glyphosate. And the fact that he mentioned that kind of makes me trust him calling out that the label just has way too much?
1: Hmm. A thousand times that to start killing your pathogens. So it's a very selective antibiotic. It is actually a pathogen promoter because it doesn't kill pathogens at your label rate.
0: He just called it a pathogen promoter, y'all. Why haven't I heard about this? So, Roundup and other glyphosate... Um, herbicides shut down immune systems allow parasitic funguses and pathogens to thrive aka makes pathogens thrive and kill everything (laughs) what
1: it stimulates them that's why it works this work this research was done by dr don huber it's happened over and over and over again they've repeated this thing dozens and dozens of times purdue university an amazing amazing plant pathologist they did this research where you could take a plant put it in sterile soil and squirt it with glyphosate and yes it stunted the plant but they wouldn't die when you put them in soil with regular microorganisms and you sprayed it with glyphosate then in time the plant would die but if you took a fungicide after you sprayed the plant with glyphosate and put a fungicide in there, the plant stopped dying.
0: Fungicides for the win, y'all. Get those dandruff shampoos. Get the ketoazole. That's in um, Nazoral, I think you call it, shampoo. I use that shampoo all over my body, and it honestly, it, it helps me. I also use, like, head and shoulders. That's another type of fungicide. Or um, antifungal as we call them um, on labels for humans. Interesting, anyone using uh, antifungal products? Do they help you? Anyone's nails going crazy? Do you think you got nail fungus? Because I do. I know I got got nail fungus. Um, It's hard to get rid of it. I'm using all these different fungal nail products. Every now and then nails will go crazy and then unfortunately I'm itching and then I I'm guessing I'm kind of spreading this fungus around my body. Anyways, thoughts that I had, but another just reason that seems like the herbicide situation could not be helping us here. Could be hindering us, could be causing this. Sounds pretty opportunistic to me.
1: Because then it killed the second mechanism that took the plant out. Now, glyphosate doesn't go away. The industry will want to to tell you that it's harmless, you can drink it, it goes away in your soil like magic, and it doesn't.
0: I love this guy. (laughs) He called him out again. The industry would love to tell you that it just goes away magically in your soil. What the heck? (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they didn't use that terminology, but he's saying that the industry doesn't really care about telling you what to do after you've used it. I'm going to look that up myself, but I'm glad he pointed that out.
1: You know, we talked about earlier, we have higher and higher levels of glyphosate residue in our plants because it stays in our soil. Now, we use it, and, and it's, a very, it's been very effective against taking out weeds. But the problem is, is we're actually stimulating these bad groups in our soils. You'll have... You'll have Within days of applying glyphosate, you can have a 500% increase in Fusarium in your soil.
0: I'm going to look up Fusaria real quick. Fusaria. Fusarium. It's a fungus. Um. Fusarium is a large genus of filamentous fungi, part of a group often called as hyphomycetes, uh, widely distributed in soil associated with plants. Most species are harmless saprobes and are relatively abundant members of a, the general soil myco- or, sorry soil microbial community. It's a community, y'all. Um, so some species produce mycotoxins in cereal crops that can affect human and animal health if they enter the food chain. Woo. The main toxins produced by Fusarium species are fum- fumonisins and trichothecenes. I'm sorry y'all, I cannot pronounce it, but it's trichothecenes. Despite most species apparently being harmless, some existing on the skin as commensal members of the skin flora some fusarium species and subspecific groups are among the most important fungal pathogens of plants and animals very interesting um the name of fusarium comes from latin "fusus," meaning spindle all I got to say, these freaking fibers, the, the blue and the red and the black and the white fibers, they, they appear to be like in a spindle. But anyways, I could be drawing conclusions that really don't make sense. But I'm just trying to figure this out. Um, let me just go to pathogen section here. I'm reading this from Wikipedia, but you know, I've come to trust them with all the references they put in. So take it with a grain of salt, look it up yourself. But wanted to just kind of assert this. All right, in humans, some species may cause a range of opportunistic infections in humans. In humans with normal immune systems, fusarial infections may occur in the nails, onychomycosis, and the cornea, kerata, uh, keratomycosis or keratomycosis, or mycotic keratitis, keratin. Um, in humans whose immune systems are weakened in a particular way low neutrophils whatever aggressive fusarial infections penetrating the entire body and bloodstream disseminated infections may cause may be caused by members of the fusarium solani complex they go to list a couple more fusarium oxysporum fusarium verticillioids Fusarium pl- uh, proliferatum, whoa, proliferatum, Pro- proliferating, and rarely other fusarial species. Use as human food. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fusarium venatum venet- is produced industrially for use as human food by Marlowe Foods and is marketed under the name Corn. Sounds like corn, but it's Q-U-O-R-N in Europe and North America. Some consumers of Fusarium products have shown food allergies similar in nature to peanut and other food allergies. People with known sensitivity to molds should exercise caution when consuming such products. There's another section on uh, biological warfare, but I'm not going to go down that route with this podcast. Maybe another one, but (laughs) I'm sure if you're a morgy... Heard about Morgellons, done some research. You've seen people estimating that it might be biological warfare. (laughs) Um, Wow. Very interesting, right? I don't think there's anything else that really stands out to me here, but... uh... Yeah, just wanted to kind of uh, clear that up, and we'll just let him finish.
1: Now, what kind of problems does pusarium cause? All kinds of vomitoxin in your brain, Okay. And when you get vomitoxins too high, you can't sell your grain. Those are two species of Fusarium. Maybe I don't want to stimulate these guys.
0: He said vomitoxins? Vomitoxins? I've never heard of that. I've heard mycotoxins. Um, Vomitoxin. He says that Fusarium produces this. Vomitoxin, known as D. I'm not going to try to pronounce that. The acronym is D-O-N. So vomitoxin, also known as D-O-N, is a Type B, trichothicine an epoxy sesquiterpenoid. <laughs> this mycotoxin. So it is a type of mycotoxin, um, which is what molds and funguses produce that ultimately gives us some, some issues, right? So this mycotoxin occurs predominantly in grains such as wheat, barley, oats, rye, corn, and less often in rice, sorghum, and another one I can't pronounce. Um... Lists list two different types of of um, fusarium yada yeah, yada. both of which are important plant pathogens which cause fusarium head blight in wheat um, another one another issue in corn ear blight <laughs> head and ear blight in plants hmm didn't know they had ears well, I guess corn has ears <laughs> okay um, the incidence of fusarium head blight is strongly associated with the moisture at the time rainfall, yada yada, whoa, so had to clear that up because I wasn't really sure what it was, but mechanism of action, I just saw something that made me want to read this, so vomitoxin belongs to a class of mycotoxins, we already talked about that, exposure to vomitoxin causes the brain to decrease its uptake of the amino acid tryptophan, and in turn, its synthesis of serotonin. Reduced levels of serotonin are believed to be responsible for the an- anorexic effects of DON, D-O-N, and other trichothecines Irritation of the gastrointestinal tract may also play a role in reducing food intake and may also partially explain the high incidence of paraesophageal stomach ulcers observed in sows during food refusal. So I guess like sows is that like a cow they're refusing food um in humans don is extensively glucuronitated. Psh, gluc. anyways and excreted via urine wow uh interesting mentions with tryptophan and serotonin huh. i'm gonna just kind of draw some like correlations without causation or whatever uh, sue me but I mean if these are on crops and we're eating these like cereals and corn and what not like are we getting depressed do we not have tryptophan do we not have our serotonin they say depression just happens some people get depressed for no reason I don't accept that actually I think there's always a cause of something people just haven't figured it out but that's wild um, let's see what he says.
1: Okay, you have all of these fungal pathogens that stimulate off of this compound. Because what we did is we removed the good guys that kept them in check. That's the whole problem here is, is nature has no voids. Okay, there's always something in space. So if I this is my environment. Let's just say this is my soil, my gut. They're all the same. I want to maintain a huge... I want to maintain a huge population of good guys and a very, very, very small population of bad guys. Okay? And this is the way nature does it. Okay? Now, bad guys actually have a role in nature. They take out sick plants. That's how nature does this. That's their role is to remove sick plants because, one, sick plants will never provide the basis of nutrition for higher life forms. So what do we grow plants for? Something's usually going to eat them. If the plant is deficient, the higher life forms don't have the nutrition. They're not going to survive, okay? They're not going to maintain health. The next one is is it refines the gene pool, okay? And so nature doesn't...
0: Whoa, can we stop right there? He said it refines the gene pool. Whoa. Uh, Are we refining the gene pool of humans that are ingesting these things? Does the top 1% know something? Y'all, I didn't mean to go all like conspiracy theory on you but just that that what he said it just that's kind of funny to me not funny but wow I mean mother nature is doing this you know a lot of violent things happen in nature um and things evolve and apparently you know funguses are here for a reason and things that can't fight it off you know can't take the heat get out the kitchen they're gonna die them <laughs> they're gonna uh, sorry they're gonna kill them die them let's dye them purple uh wow that's wild right um i think i lost my spot here but let's find what he was talking about
1: and biological generators what happens here is when when we manage these balance of, eat them if the plant is deficient the higher life forms don't have the nutrition they're not going to survive okay they're not going to maintain health The next one is, is it refines the gene pool. Okay. And so nature doesn't, nature doesn't tolerate subnormal stuff in the gene pool. It, it weeds it out. We think that's very harsh because we have to save everything, but that is not nature's way. And so what happens here is.
0: (laughs) I love that. You know, we think that's really harsh as humans that nature weeds the stuff out, but that's just how nature is it's beautiful, um, it's evolution, it's stimulating change and growth and, and strength, uh, I don't want to think that being a morgy is weeding us out, maybe it's just strengthening us to, to get through it and to develop antigens or something, <laughs> but I, I like that he said that, and I've been thinking about that with my philosophy, right, um, and I changed the way I think about parasites and, and parasitic things. Um, in a wik- uh, Wikipedia, I was reading about uh, parasites and parasitic, like funguses and parasitic uh, or invasive species, things like that. They say don't take out, don't kill these parasitic or invasive species because they're there for a reason. They are killing other pathogens in the environment that are taken over as well so they're trying to help us help the world maintain homeostasis maintaining homeostasis you got to have good good guys you got to have bad guys um and when you start messing with that i don't know some some weird stuff's gonna happen (laughs) anyways i like that i like this guy
1: when when we manage these balance of microbes whether it's in us or in our soils everything that goes into us or into our soil has a microbial effect everything. You guys have to look at us like we are nothing more than biological generators, chemical generators. That's all. We are run by all of this chemistry and all of this microbiology and everything that goes in from, from water to cider to nuts to cinnamon rolls to statin drugs, everything alters biology. Sugar will push certain microbes. Proteins push certain microbes. Oils push, push certain microbe growth. And so if we have French fry... And, and pot pie or, or uh, hostess Twinkie diets and all that kind of stuff, we're going to push a group of microbes in our system that then produce our nutrient compounds or our toxic compounds. Glyphosate is one of these compounds that's notorious for quickly rebalancing biology populations because it takes out the good guys without taking out the bad guys. And so when we feed plants that have glyphosate in them, they're restructuring the gut microflora balances. When we spray glyphosate on our soil, we're rebalancing our soil microorganism populations. We're down in the good guys, up in the bad guys. We're going to have more disease issues. okay? And then as we alter the biology populations, we intensify weed pressure. Now what nature has done is says, oh, guess what? We do not have, now we have weed that are completely resistant to glyphosate. <laughs> I mean,
0: I'm, I'm having like a, just like a, oh, there's a name for it. Like, basically, this has happened before. I've heard this before. About antibiotics. Or antifungals. You know, you got the one fungus out there. And CDC, it's on, like, their top watch list. I think it's number two or number three. (laughs) Candida auris. Um, I was reading some studies about this emerging fungus. Yeah, CDC. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, Candida auris is an emerging fungus that presents serious global health threats. CDC is concerned about CRS for three main reasons. It's often multi-drug resistant, meaning that it is resistant to multi-antifungal drugs. Side note, read a study that said it was resistant to all antifungals that we have on the market and the prescription ones, and that the only thing that helped or you know, killed this was like iodine or something, even hydrogen peroxide and like chlorhexidine gluconate didn't really do anything. (laughs) Anyways, um, some strains are resistant to all three available classes of antifungals. Yeah, there you have it. It is difficult to identify with standard lab methods. Identifying fungus is generally very difficult because you got to grow it. Uh, Can't do like quick, quick tests that I know of. Maybe uh, some sort of PCR or like Western blot, maybe, or some advanced stuff to look at the DNA. Um, Misidentification can lead to inappropriate management. The third reason that they're concerned, it has caused outbreaks in healthcare settings. For this reason, it is important to quickly identify CRS in a hospitalized patient so that healthcare facilities can take special precautions to stop its spread. Another study I was reading is that they identified a gentleman in hospital who had CRS and they wanted to see, like, all right, well, where is he shedding this? They found that CRS was, like, everywhere. It was in the bathroom. It was on the handle. It was, like, on the wall, on the bed. Like, it just spread everywhere. This stuff is just, just seems to be, like, light as a feather or something. Like, it just has a really good mechanism for spreading. Um... Yeah, I mean, with all these things, we're killing a bug with a bug. One's going to become resistant to the other bug. I mean, it's beautiful. It's evolution. Um, you know, They're going to find a will. They're going to find a way to survive. Uh, it's life. It's life, baby.
1: Okay, can't kill them now with glyphosate. And so the mechanism is the glyphosate still stunts the plant, but the plant has figured out different chemistry, so the pathogens can't get to it anymore. Okay, plants sometimes have three or four hundred ways of making compounds to do certain things. It's like, well, I'm this hallway, I'll go around it. They'll figure it out in time because weeds are there to fix the mineral and the biological balances in soils. They're not there to torment you, they do. But when our soils get out of balance, weeds come to readjust it. Now, think about this.
0: Y'all, if you're into this, if you're into gardening, um, if you're like weeding, you're taking out weeds, pulling weeds. I don't know, more I learn about this stuff, it's like, y'all, don't don't pull out weeds, find the beauty in the weeds, let the weeds grow, they're like beneficial microbes, they're like yogurt, they're like, <laughs> you know, uh, they're helping balance things out, and they're like little quiet, silent heroes, it seems, and we just think that, what are we thinking, like, that? oh, it's gross, they're overcrowding my tulips, I don't know, but I think we should kind of change the way we think about it and keep them around, maybe. You know, maybe they're trying to help us. Weed (laughs) helps people in other ways, the other kind of weed. Um, Yeah, they just keep coming back, these weeds, and then we just keep trying to kill them. Uh, Maybe they're just trying to help us. But, uh, I mean, apparently they're still invasive species, and then we humans are creating compounds to, to kill them because they're killing our gardens and our food. And like, why can't we make weeds that like in a, they're like a salad, you know, you got an arugula salad. Oh, this is a a weed salad, it, it has lots of, um, it'll allow you to boost your immune system. These weeds are very hardy.
1: <laughs> Some weeds will put down very shallow roots and what they're doing is they're picking up phosphate because phosphate does not go deep into your soil. It's very reactive, right Abe? Won't go down deep, it immobilizes, stays on top. And so you have all of your broad-based weeds are picking up those minerals near the top. They'll bring them in, resolubilize them and put them in a plant available form. Your deep taproots are picking up your heavier minerals. So you got your, your trace minerals and your calcium. Minerals are like BBs and feathers. The light ones float and the heavy ones go down. So you have all these minerals that stratify into different zones in your soils. How weeds do this is they send a gigantic root down there, tap into those heavier ones, they pull them up in their bodies, put them in the plant. When they die, they redistribute minerals from way down here to way up here.
0: Oh, man, they're amazing. Why don't we talk about that? Um, Another topic I want to talk about in a separate podcast is the um, soil um it's called like the soil microbiota or something Uh, I was listening to a podcast about a woman who I mean she studied soil her whole life and uh, she she talked about springtails or columbola which I've heard about with some people and they think that they're involved with Morgellons and she goes on to say that like you know the soil is like a whole ecosystem and and how, honestly, our soil, here in the U.S. at least, is, is not very great soil. We don't have this whole thriving community. We're killing off a lot of things. And we're changing things. Um, When things change, you're going to have, this way I think about it, you're going to have living microbes, living living things, starving. And they're going to start looking elsewhere. To get their, you know, their minerals, their their food. Where are they going? I don't know. Are they just dying? Or are they going to start changing, evolving? Are they going to start needing different things? Um, being more efficient? Who knows? But it's a whole other topic that's really intriguing to me. And I I don't know if it has anything to do with morgellons. I sure was gardening a lot in the the yard around the time that I got this. Wasn't using gloves. <laughs> Great. Um and we had a uh, termites treated on our deck, which then I was removing roots of a rosemary bush from right under that same deck. I don't know. A lot of a lot of things that happened, but anyone a gardener leave a message. Um anyone do a tough mudder or something you know all up in the dirt all up in the soil go to a concert you know anyone go to concerts big concerts out in a park did it rain did you get dirty <laughs> leave a comment i would love to listen to it let's finally wrap this up
1: now this is a perfect system if you have a couple hundred million years to wait out the process nature will fix that soil We're a little bit impatient because we're going farming next week. So we're going to go nuke everything. So what we do is we go force the readjustment of the biology. We don't care about the minerals. And we just go nuke the weed and then we go in and plant behind it. Okay, That's one way of doing it. But what it does is it causes these imbalances that they just get worse, like pushing a snowball uphill. Eventually, you can't push it any farther. Nature's going to let it roll back over top of you. Okay, So we can go about things the wrong way just so long because nature is always going to win. We will never outsmart nature with a synthetic product trying to fix a biological problem. We are not smart enough to do this.
0: Oh, sorry, next video just started playing, but thanks for listening to that. I listened to it last night or the night before, um, you know, when I got off on that like glyphosate uh, herbicide kick about how in this one study those who were highly exposed to glyphosate-based herbicides had a 41% increased chance of getting non-hodgkin's lymphoma um and then you're going to if you start researching this you'll see uh you know a bunch of lawsuits a lot of lawyers websites really are up there in the search results but lawsuits um there's one in San Francisco i think a a couple or Anyways, it was $2 billion that Monsanto, you know, had to pay for this lawsuit over their Roundup causing lymphoma. Another guy got a couple million dollars from it as well. I think it's called Dwayne something, his name. Um, It's happening. There are a ton, a ton, a ton of lawsuits against Roundup for this. (laughs) I mean... I, I'm not trying to be anti Roundup or pro or you know pro Roundup, but like they're in the glyphosate herbicide industry and they're having to deal with these uh, side effects of it. I'm sure there are many positive things about glyphosate. I don't know. I haven't looked that up. <laughs> um, you know, I try to not be biased, but you know, 41 percent. You're you see like these uh, scientific studies that are finding this uh, causation correlation with lymphoma and herbicides and then you hear this gentleman telling you and breaking down how it works and honestly i don't want to be ingesting this stuff and i I think a lot of different countries are starting to ban it um you know organic crops are not using it but they're using another thing to battle the pest because you know they're still getting pests they're using something called bt or um it's bacillus third genesis i think uh bt crops yes it's cold y'all it's a freaking caterpillar or like a worm um <laughs> Yeah, so BT crops are uh, transgenic crops that produce the same toxin as the bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis in the plant cell, They're thereby protecting the crops from pests. The bacterium secretes specific proteins known as cry proteins, cry, um, that are toxic to insects. A few of the BT crops include cotton, corn, etc. Huh. I know there's a lot of things around bt toxins as well seems like everything causes a toxin anyone have issues with like cotton clothes i know i for sure have this weird fixation with freaking lint and my clothes and i thought it was coming from my clothes lint bugs where you know these are my clothes i seem to really like uh synthetic fibers uh, opposed to you know natural you, you're gonna find me wearing spandex and uh you know, nylon, a whole lot more than the natural fiber clothing. um, Less lint production there. But, you know, it's just one of the things that I do as a morgy. Um I wanted to find another study, just to kind of wrap this up and tie in the last podcast, talking about you know, Borrelia and the herbicides and whatnot. So, Let's dive into that and wrap this baby up. I wanted to tell you guys about a conversation I had with my friend who, he's Japanese, grew up in Japan. I told him about Morgellons and it's like, hey, have you heard anything about (laughs) Morgellons? Like what is that? And then I kind of told him about it. And he's like, Oh, yeah, I I remember this. And it came out in the Japanese news and something about like cities in the U.S. with high-speed internet. We're getting it. I'm like, wow, that's interesting. I I have been wanting to look into different countries and different articles in different languages and see what they're saying about this because you know I'm only consuming. Um, content in English. So thought that was interesting that he said something about high speed internet. <laughs> what? I mean, does high speed internet entail that these companies are digging up our yards to install fibers? Hmm. I don't know. Another conversation I had with him, he was like, hmm, yada, yada, yada. So I briefly chatted with my friend who's who has a PhD in bioengineering and his first suspicion was that you might have had excessive spo- exposure to organic solvent that is st- a stimulant to skin based on what you described sounds like you had you, you had to use pesticides detergent etc right that also explains your move to your parents house Changed your symptoms quite a bit. You know, this was, I talked to him back in April about this, and like, I didn't really think anything of the comment of his PhD bioengineering friend saying, organic solvent that is a stimulant to skin. I don't know if glyphosate is a stimulant to skin or if it's an organic solvent, but solvent makes me think, you know, it breaks down things and. I'll have to do some research if, uh, like, Roundup is an organic solvent. But crazy, right? Um, just thoughts. I'll probably look into more of these later and let you guys know if I have any findings on that. Alright, y'all, to wrap up episode three wanted to introduce um, an article about glyphosate and I prefer to find scientific journal articles this one I found is I can't find it but I I think it's out there I think it's in J- Japanese though um, so I'll get my Japanese friend to kind of translate for me and yeah, maybe I'll have an interview with him but I uh, I've been thinking about the herbicide situation the glyphosate based herbicides and <laughs> of all things the uh, barber barberry bushes you know since i brought up the whole htlv and um bartonella conversation per that article i found like man you know are we killing off these like invasive plants that harbor ticks such as barberry bushes you hear a lot about japanese japanese barberry it's a big family of of barberry bushes i guess it came from japan it's kind of ironic that htlv is most common in japan hmm you know i'll be straight up you know my mind is trying to just figure out correlations i want to figure this out so i'll say that you know disclaimer some of the things i'm presenting my mind just kind of made these connections. Uh, I would love to get some scientists, uh, st- statistics wizards, and love to see if these are actually correlated. Uh-huh. But y'all, I found a very interesting article. Hi, and this is from two thousand and nineteen. High levels of glyphosate detected in hair. Of Japan parliamentarians. In the parliament people of Japan. They found glyphosate y'all. In their hair. In their hair. Um. Another symptom that I have. As a Morgellon. Morgi patient. My hair drives me crazy. You guys. I'm always like brushing my hair with a fine tooth comb. It's like all these fibers in my hair. Um very particular about how i treat my hair these days uh, wear hats a lot try to just keep it at bay my hair seems alive like it's moving or something <laughs> oh please don't think i'm crazy guys um but i know other Morgies also have issues with their hair um go check out more Morgalons with crystal clear she has a couple episodes on hair uh even a couple callers leaving messages about their hair and how just wild this thing is anyways in this article wild high levels of glyphosate detected in hair of japan parliamentarians i'm saying that wrong but people in the government over in japan (laughs) let's kind of look into it Got this article, high levels of glyphosate detected in hair of Japan parliamentarians. Um, So high levels of glyphosate, the world's most popular herbicide, have been detected in the hair of members of the Japanese parliament, a study has revealed. Like I said, there's a study out there, it's in Japanese. I'm going to find it and get my translator on it Uh, hair samples were taken from 23 members with results showing the majority suffered from long-term exposure to a variety of pesticides including glyphosate and its metabolite ampa don't know what that is but they had long-term exposure to glyphosate the Japanese testing pro- project used a newly developed long-term exposure hair testing method that revealed much higher levels of contamination than ever detected elsewhere in the world using urine or blood testing, um, GMO, News Tracker, Sustainable Pulse reports, Um Here's a quote. I aim to launch a non-partisan parliamentary group for food safety. Member of the Japanese House of Counselors, uh, Ruhai Kawada, told Yahoo News Japan. (laughs) Yahoo, what's up? You're alive still. Um, He told that to Yahoo News Japan in regard to the project. Um, this project has increased calls for more environmentally friendly approaches to pesticides in the Asian country Um, Kawada's colleague Mizuho Fukushima believes the practice of pre-harvest wheat spraying using glyphosate in the U.S. and Canada is the main reason behind findings, behind the findings, while arguing that we need to promote organic and free school meals using organic rice and local wheat bread. But, you know, that's a good point with the, the rice and the bread. I guess, you know, these are grains that are essential. I mean, feeding mass amounts of people. They're very important crops, and gosh, I mean, if they lose a crop, if they just lose any of these crops to pests, I mean, a lot of people won't eat. They'll starve. I see the I see the predicament here, but, you know, what's more harmful? Not sure. Let's go on. Um, the testing was conducted under the Detox Project Japan to identify pesticides Japanese people are exposed to over the long term. Henley Rowlands, director of the project, stated... This unique testing project was made possible by the development of new hair testing methods that have enabled our long-term exposure to pesticides to be identified for the first time. Urine and blood testing only gives us a very short-term picture of exposure, whereas hair testing gives us the real and full picture of what we have been exposed to over the long-term and thus what we need to avoid. Um, The pesticides detected included be prepared for mispronunciations here. Uh, pesticides included cyprodenyl, fipronil sulfone, iprovalicarb, Metalachor <laughs> propiconazole, and azole, I know that, um, prioclostrobin, spiroaxamine, tebuconazole tetramethrin, trans-flur-th- tran- transfluthrin. Who's naming these things, y'all? Um, trifloxystrobin. Sounds like a cool club. Let's go to Um Maybe that's German. <laughs> Strobin and glyphosate including and then we got two more uh, AMPA and glufonisate. glufonosate that sounds like a relative of glyphosate um so four of those pesticides were found in over 10% of the samples um tebuconazole tab- a fungicide was found in 10% about 10% um transfluthrin an insecticide was found in 14.3%. Glyphosate, a herbicide, was 32%. 32% of um, these people they studied had glyphosate. And then AMPA, the main metabolite of glyphosate, was 53.6%. Whoa! Y'all, I need to research AMPA. Wow, 53%. What the hell? Interesting they didn't lump it together with glyphosate, since it's the main metabolite of glyphosate. Hmm. Anyways, um, the results for glyphosate and AMPA included regular levels of over 33 and 166 parts per billion, respectively, with the highest results of 791 parts per billion for glyphosate and 1205 parts per billion for AMPA. Rollins added, considering that the average levels in urine for both glyphosate and AMPA were around 3 parts per billion, these levels in hair are highly concerning. The results have shocked Japan and are set to hopefully lead to changes in legislation surrounding long-term exposure to pesticides in the country. This shows that with the correct level of awareness, anything is possible. Oh, Rowlands, I love that quote. With the correct level of awareness, anything is possible. You know, that that's also one of my goals with this podcast. So we need more awareness around Morgellons. We do. I know it's hard to be aware of something we don't know, and CDC and others have tried to do studies and did not come up with anything, but don't give up. I'm not giving up. You're not giving up. We just need to bring more awareness that this is still an issue. And we're smart people, we can figure it out, and we can have treatments. We don't have to cure it right away, let's just figure it out and alleviate some stuff. (laughs) Wow, interesting article, right? We got, (laughs) interesting that they chose the uh, parliamentarians. I like that, though. Thank you, government peoples, for participating in a study, not hiding anything. That's pretty cool. Up next, I mean, let's get some hair from uh, the U.S. government. Let's let's get hair from, from the president. What's up, Biden? Can I have some of your, your lovely silver hair? And can we see if you got glyphosate in it? <laughs> you know I'll donate my hair. But, you know, hopefully before I lose it all. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in to episode three. You know, in future episodes, might, you know, just talk about some other things besides glyphosate it's it's been top of mind recently next week i'm going to md anderson uh to some of the world's renowned specialists in htlv and um you know lymphoma so i i'm really hoping to share any information with you guys but yeah this I'm in, I'm in investigation mode, detective mode. This is my health. The moment I stop thinking about this, the moment I give up, stop searching, that's a bad sign. You know, that's lost hope. You know, unless I know other people are out there studying it, and I don't know that right now. Um, but rest assured, we're going to get there, and I got a fire under my ass, and we're going to make it happen. Thanks so much for tuning in and have a lovely week. Love y'all.